Coming at you once again, Backwoods Theology. We hope you've had another good week, and we're coming to you again this Friday. Looking forward to sharing some more Bible instruction with you. Uh, I know that I've had a good week. Once again, it just seems like minutes have gone by. He said, and another week he said, is coming gone by. at you. And I wanted to turn and look, see what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a little nervous. <laughs> well, uh, you want to have an exciting beginning. You don't want to be. Uh, all mopey coming into this. That's not an exciting way. So. <laughs> we, we have discussed having a, a segment of the show called What Hurts This Week. What Hurts right. This Week? What Hurts oh, This yeah, Week. Yeah. We've had a discussion of What Hurts This Week as a segment. We had a discussion of What's in Josh Lovelace's Mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Um, that, that was, Let's start there. That's a... Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's an episode. You know what? That's not even an episode. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. The Mind of Josh Lovett. The Mind of Josh Lovett. Yeah. You know what? We should create a podcast called that. Yeah. So, what is... Never mind. I, <laughs> go on. You, yes, you started yes, yes, and yes. we interrupted. We don't need to get into my mind. <laughs> well, we're trying to clean up some things, so to speak. Not correct, but there, as we have these discussions. There's so many things that come up, and this is what we talked about when you just can't simply answer a question scripturally because then you're like, oh, we've got to address this, and we've got to address that. And that's what I mean by cleanup, not that we said something inerrantly and we've got to correct it. It's just we open so many things, and we're not able to go down every trail. It's qualifying. You're qualifying. Yes. Yeah. Again, um, um, I'm just going to throw... A firecracker in the pond, and Chad will kind of settle things back down sure, again. Right. He's the yeah. one who brings order and design to our podcast. Yeah, so. I just try to figure out what's going on, because <laughs> yeah. I'm still in my mind. Right. So. <laughs> well, we are going to be talking this episode, giving more information. We've had some question about the sons of God, the sons of God. Now, uh, we know in this age, this age in which we live, that... Um, I think it's 1 John 3 that says, now are we the sons of God. Meaning, uh, if you're a born-again believer, you're not waiting to become the son of God. The Bible says we are already the son of God. Now are we, is it now we are called the sons of God? Yeah, can we, can I read? Sure. All right, so 1 John 3, verse 1, and maybe this is where we get to start today. Just there's, there's a lot to unpack here. Yes. So 1 John 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Now that's, of course, I think referring back to uh, John, where he says he came into the world and uh, his own knew him not. Verse 2, beloved, now, okay, so now are we the sons of God. So positionally, we are the sons of God. But the Bible goes on to say, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I'm going to keep reading because here's your, here's your practical. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So have you ever, I think sometimes when we, when we hear that we are the, the sons of God or we are the children of God, I think the depth of that might be lost to us in our day and age. Yeah. That it's viewed as a sentimental, nostalgic 
feeling, you know, because again, it's tied to the manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. So it, it, it causes people to have maybe warm and fuzzy feelings, but understanding what it means doctrinally and what it means for us eternally can be lost to us. But if we study and consider extensively, you know, who the sons of God are, what their responsibilities were, what, uh, you know, what role they played in God's, I'm going to use this word, God's economy or God's ordering of things. If we understand how that was and how that functioned in the past, why it doesn't function as it should today, and how it will function in the future, I think it lends us a better understanding and and giving us a better understanding causes us to understand in verse 3, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Okay? So can I just keep rolling with my stream of consciousness on this? And and uh, because I, I know it's flowing and, and as it's, you don't want to stop. I don't want to stop because I want to, I want to vomit it all out so that then you guys can help clean up the mess, clean up the mess. Right. So we know that the sons of God originally, um, we understand them to be, uh, Lucifer and, uh, the angels, right? So for example, Genesis six speaks of the sons of God who went into the daughters of men. And so even back in the train up a little bit farther, we know that according to Ezekiel, what's the chapter on Lucifer? 28, I believe. So Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. 14, the Bible teaches that Lucifer had a throne in the garden of God. Uh, We would intimate that it would have been upon the earth because he said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Where are the clouds? They're above us. So a throne on the earth in a place called the Garden of God, Lucifer. Um, it's actually called Eden yeah, as the, well. Is it called Eden as well? Verse 13, okay. thou hast been in Eden, Eden. the Garden of God. Okay. So he, he call, I mean, by name. Okay. So, so he then says, uh, then there's pride found in him, mm-hmm. right? And he says, I will ascend above the clouds, I will ascend the sides of the north. I'm paraphrasing. It says above the stars of God. Okay. So it mentions all three heavens. All the layers, right? All three heavens. To where he would put his throne where? In the, the sides of the north. Well, in the, is it in in the, the mount? Congregation, in the, con- in the okay, mount yes. of congregation. Okay, yep. in the mount of congregation. Okay, so we have this, this kernel that we begin to build from. All right. So then we would look at uh, Peter talks about a flood of heaven and earth, which we would take to be different than Noah's flood, which was a flood only of the earth. And I guess in going through this flow, I'm going to take for granted that our listeners are familiar with these things already in Scripture, but just pieces of puzzle, puzzle pieces, right? Which we have referenced in previous We have referenced in the past, okay? So we, we see that, and then we see that in creation that God puts a firmament in the midst of the waters, okay? In that firmament, he places what? Sun, moon, stars. We also know that the birds of the air fly in that firmament. And then we cross-reference that with Paul making reference to third heaven. So we understand there are three heavens, right? The atmosphere, the space, outer space, which holds um, sun, moon, and stars, 
and then third heaven, which is the the location of the throne of God. Okay, all right. So Lucifer rebels. There is a judgment that follows, a universal flood. Then we see that God, having put this this firmament, right, and forming dry ground upon the earth, he then creates, we would say creates again. Can I say creates again or remakes the earth? And there is vegetation, there is, uh, there are creatures, there are fishes, um, birds, all of this is done. And then, then on day six, we have the creation of man. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. God breathes into man the breath of life and man becomes a living soul. It is then that man is also given dominion. He is to have dominion over the earth. Okay, So we should understand that if Lucifer had a throne upon the earth, that Lucifer was also given dominion over the earth. He was also given, so he would have been given dominion by God over the earth, but he rebels against that dominion, that responsibility to have dominion. So now God forms Adam, and he gives to Adam dominion over the earth. And Adam is told, Adam and Eve are told to do what? They're told to be fruitful and multiply, and here's the key word, replenish, Mm. right? Replenish, which to understand replenish, we cross-reference that with post-global flood, not universal, but post-global flood, we see that Noah and his sons are told to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Okay, so they, they can't mean two different things. Contextually, they're identical. So we're looking, at, we're looking at this and saying, okay, so Adam and Eve are told to fill the earth again and have dominion because the first beings to whom he gave dominion failed in that, rebelled against that and failed in that. Okay, so the sons of God... The initial sons of God failed in their dominion. Adam comes on the picture. He's given dominion. He's told to fill the earth with image bearers, right? Satan comes because Satan is still upon the earth, right? And thwarts that, sin enters, and now Adam fails in having dominion. We, we good so far. Adam, who is called the son of God. It is not until Christ comes that we have the next son of God. In between, we've talked about this in the past, how that God says to, to the serpent that um, I will place enmity between thee and the woman. Uh, thou shalt bruise his heel and he will bruise thy head. I know I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. terribly misquoting, but you have, again, this son of God ideas being traced. There's, there's another son of God coming. That son, man, there's a ton of pieces here. Then we come to 1 John 3, and we are told that through the new birth, we are called the sons of God. We are the sons of God. But the Bible qualifies and says, It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. So when we... When we look at the sons of God in terms of Job chapter 1, they're clearly angelic. We have other references in the scripture 
to describe all of those angels together. Um, in Psalm 82, they're referred to as the congregation of the mighty. And it's clear that it's not talking about men. Right. It's talking about angels. Isn't it in Psalm 82 where he, call, he says, ye are gods? Yes. Yep. And ye shall die like men. Like men. So that's, yep. that's, they're not men. They're going to die like men. Mm-hmm. They're gods. In the New Testament, we, so, so this, this congregation of the mighty, it's got to be the same group that appears before God in Job 1 where this discussion between God and Satan takes place over Job. In the New Testament, I would argue that this same group is described as principalities and powers, used distinctly from the term sons of God, because now we are the sons of God. Mm-hmm. So, when we talk about principalities and powers, it's interesting because at the beginning of, of COVID, Romans was used extensively uh, to argue for us obeying every mandate that came down because we are to be subject to principalities and powers. Yet in Ephesians, the Bible says that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but we wrestle with what? Principalities, principalities and, powers. and powers. So there's, in my, in my mind's eye, we also have the situation with Ahab, uh, the destruction of Ahab, right? I think it's in 1 Kings 22 where God is speaking to the heavenly host, if you will, and asks, who will go? Is it, is it Ahab? To, to, for Ahab's death, there's a, a spirit, an angel that says, I will go as a lying spirit. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, okay, First Kings 22, 22. They're discussing Ahab. And there is a spirit that comes forth and says, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. Okay. To me, that cannot be an angel of God, because God is not the author of confusion. Mm-hmm. So that lying spirit had to be a, an angel, a member of the congregation of the mighty, which in context in Psalm 82, the congregation of the mighty are, they are judged of God for their, for their unrighteous ruling mm-hmm. upon the earth. They neglect the poor and the needy and the fatherless. So here's, okay, so all of that, putting that together, principalities and powers that were subject to some, we wrestle with others. Then you go to Daniel. Daniel's trying to understand Jeremiah's prophecy. He's praying. Three weeks later, an angel shows up and says, your prayer is heard, but I was hindered by the prince of Persia. That's not a man. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting this all together. Sons of God, principalities and powers, congregation of the mighty, clearly... To me, God's ordering of things upon the earth is through these principalities and powers, through the sons of God that are given charge over the earth, given responsibility to govern and to lead in the affairs that take place on earth. So as I'm thinking on this, okay, so currently there's principalities and powers. There's currently uh, authorities spiritual authorities. Uh, We wrestle with, the Bible says, rulers, wickedness in high places, okay? Spiritual wickedness in high places, okay? Satan is described as the God of this world. Mm -hmm. So then I come to the fact that we're called the sons of God. That seems to have a whole lot deeper meaning than just, he's our dad. Mm. So then I fast forward to the kingdom, the kingdom of Christ on this earth, in which we are, we understand that we are to rule 
and reign with Christ. What does that look like? Well, to me, it looks like that we, here's my summary statement, as the sons of God, you know, the three of us sitting at this table here today, that in Christ's kingdom, our ruling and reigning, Christ and his kingdom replaces upon the earth the devil and his kingdom. And we are the replacement to the angels upon the earth um, that rule now. That's what I'm chewing on. Does that make sense? That our ruling and reigning with Christ is the replacement to the righteous replacement to the wickedness of the devil and his angels upon the earth from before the fall of Adam to the present day. Okay. I think I'm done. Wow. <laughs> so, um, we're good with that podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That was only Thank 17 for, minutes. Thank you for joining Beckwith's theology. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's Chad's number. <laughs> no, but okay. But so, you what are just, the holes? Find you the just holes. opened a 15,000 piece puzzle and you were putting together a whole bunch of it. And chucked, yeah. No, but I think these but are you pieces. you threw the box away. But th- no, these are, these are a bunch of pieces that you get. These are. Sure, yeah. That you have and to get through the whole thing. now structure. we have to, knowing all those things that you just walk, walked us through, um, we have to wrap our minds around what God has revealed to us and not wrap our minds around, because you can't, what God has not revealed to us. Right, because, okay? to come back to First John 3, it doth not yet, yet appear. appear what we shall be. So we cannot speculate on things we don't know, but we can also read and say, well, by comparing Scripture with Scripture, we can see uh, an end result or even a beginning that we didn't always know was there. Right, because speculation is different than inference. Yes. Right? So we can yes. infer... But we can't speculate. speculate. Okay. Um, because this is something that for me, you, I'm going back 17 minutes ago. <laughs> you brought up the firmament. Okay. So we are at day two of creation. And in all six days, day one, day three, four, five, six, there's a statement in our Bibles that says it was good. It was good. It was good. Day two does not say that. Of all the days of creation, he doesn't use the phrase, it was good. So we know he made a firmament. Now, what was this firmament for? Well, it certainly was division. There was division. And um, because, you know, what's fun, you go back to Genesis 1, 2, and we have water, where did that come from? Because if we're before, oh, he hadn't made earth yet, but where's the water? What, what is this water? You know what I mean? Um, and then there's water in verse 6, 7, and 8. <clears throat> but there's no good in this. And I don't know, you know, I, again, I'm actually leaving this question open-ended because this is something I'm still wrapping my brain around. All it says at the end of verse 7, and it was so. All the other days, it was good. God called it good. It was very good. But in this one, it just says, and it was so. So when we talk about 
you know, where did the water come from, right? Where did, where did the water come from that he put the firmament in between? And, and I know that I referenced universal flood. Yes, that's why I said that. And I'm drawing that from, now in Second Peter, okay, Second Peter 2, 5, to be fair, in Second Peter 2, 5, he clearly states that the old world was the world of men, okay? Because it says in Second Peter 2, 5, that he spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person. So we know what flood that's referring to. Contextually, we know that's speaking of the world of men. But then we talk about, uh, you know, an interesting, in the beginning, God created what? The heaven and the earth. The heaven and the earth, okay? So then you have in 2 Peter chapter 3, okay, you have this, this, the heavens and the earth are tied together in a flood. Okay, so Second uh, Peter 3, 4, there's, well, we'll start in verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And then it says this, for this they, they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. Okay? Mm. So the world that then was is a world in which both the heavens and the earth are a part. Okay? Follow me for just a little bit. Like oh, yeah. Right now, yeah. Yeah. the world of men is a world that is only upon the earth hmm. and the moon for a couple hours, okay? Depending on what you feel about the moon. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. But in the judgment that is spoken of in Second Peter 3 is a judgment that involves both the heavens and the earth. It's a judgment of water. And then in 2 Peter 3, 7, it says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now, okay, so a comparison between the heavens and the earth then, mm-hmm. and the heavens and the earth now, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So there is, the earth is the abode of men, but the heavens and the earth are the abode of not just men. You follow? I do. And this is why I think that we can make the case, and okay, am I dying on a hill preaching this Sunday morning? I'm not. I'm not. But I think you can make the case that there was a flood before the flood. Otherwise, where does the water come from that the firmament is placed in? Exactly. That's that's where right. I was connecting back right. to in Genesis 1-2. Right, and someone can say, well, where's the water at the top? Well, it's called the Crystal Sea. It's called the Crystal Sea that John sees. Mm-hmm. And uh, does Isaiah see it? I don't remember. Um, or Ezekiel. Okay, and then in Revelation, okay, in Revelation chapter 21, maybe 2021, 20, probably 21, the Bible says, and there was no more sea. Sea. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, well, okay, so there's what happens to all, all of the killer whales and all the dolphins that, you know, what happens to all the sea world creatures? That's not what it's talking about. 
No, it's about the crystal sea. Chapter 21, Revelation 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth were passed away. Why was that? Well, they're judged by fire. They're, mm-hmm. And there was no more sea. And, and then you see from that that there is the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven because that, that quarantine period is over because sin, sin and death and hell are cast are in the cast, lake of fire. That's right. Okay, so now the, the universe is cleansed from sin. And so now, now, Jerusalem... The new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, heaven and earth are able to be married together. Because there's no more sea. Right. The, the, the boundary. The division's gone. Yeah, that's right. So this is where, um, this is why I think to be called the son of God, because of 1 John 3, it may not have a whole lot of ramification for you right now. Like right now it gives you access, right? Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may find uh, grace or mercy, mercy and grace to help in our time of need. Okay, so it does have, it does have meaning now, but the fullness of it, I think, happens after in the kingdom of our Lord, in the kingdom of Christ. Mm -hmm. So knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's why Paul was able to not count his life as precious, right? For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. He counted everything he did in this life uh, before he was saved as but dung, right? Because he, he, having been to the third heaven, at least had a glimpse of what eternity, what that kingdom meant for him as a child of God. So... That's a so blessing. Water it's from? just a blessing. What's that? <laughs> well, okay. It had to have been created. It had to have. In Genesis 1-1. Yes. That's, that's where been. I'm going with all of this. All right. We'll keep going. No, no, no. I like it. Because you are digging deeper into a question that, why is the firmament not good in the second day? Mm. Well, be, okay. Because is darkness good? The Bible says God is light, mm-hmm. and in him is, is no, no darkness, darkness at all. Wherever there is darkness, okay, the bottomless pit, I can't imagine. Because it says in verse 4, and God saw the light, that it was good. Mm -hmm. doesn't say, and God saw the light and darkness. Mm -hmm. He divided the the light from the darkness. Right. He separated. There's division again, Mm -hmm. just like in the firmament. Another thing, a Jewish day. Is evening and morning. And a Bible day begins with the evening, Mm -hmm. but it finishes with the day. With the day. Okay, which... If you if you you talk about a helicopter view of something, <laughs> if you take like a s- satellite view of things, um, you c- all of all of history as we know it can be encapsulated in a time of darkness followed by by the day of the Lord. By the day of the Lord, yeah, a time of light. Yeah, I think I think darkness is. Um, what do you think about darkness, brother Wiley? You have not said a thing <laughs> in this whole podcast. This, is, I, this has been. I good. have vomited. Now I will go. We got to clean up a lot here. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, yeah, no, clean no. it up. I no, mean, seriously, no. I'm trying to again figure this, it this, out. We're still, we're still, we we are we are working in a corner of a puzzle that 
the box called on the on the cover of the box it says Sons of God. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Like we are we are unpacking a big puzzle here. Mm-hmm. And um, you gave the overview of those Sons of God at the very beginning for the seventeen minutes. Or I think whatever. the critical question that I'm tr- I'm working at is fundamentally is the church which is ruling and reigning. Okay, Abraham, his descendants shall be as what? The sands of the sea, sea and the stars, the stars of, heaven. of heaven. So you have a... Physical and a spiritual. Right. Okay. So what I'm really trying to get at is our ruling and reigning on this earth. And I guess the answer is First John 3, 2. We don't really, can't really know. But is it tantamount or is it, is it the replacement to the current ruling and reigning? You know, at the temptation of Christ, Satan showed him the kingdoms of this world. In a moment of time. In a moment of time. Yep. But we do know, he, what did he tell Christ? Bow down and worship me and they're all yours, right? Mm-hmm. Christ never refuted Satan's statement about the fact that he Satan claimed those kingdoms for himself. Yeah, he said they were given to me. Yeah, and and Christ didn't refute that, you know, because the, the, the flannel graph Sunday school says, oh, you know, Satan didn't even know. They already belong to God. No, 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 they belong to Satan. Well, and He's maybe the prince the, of the power of the air. Maybe the bigger question is, why did God create mankind in the first place? You know, what is the mm. reason? And what it, was that reason, very simply, to raise up um, righteous dominion upon the earth? I mean, that's the purpose he gives to Adam, the son of God to displace the unrighteous dominion under Lucifer. Which answers, in my opinion, the question why Satan hates us so much. Right, because what is, what's taken from him is going to be given to us. That's right. Or what will be taken from, from him, him will be then given Because we're ruling and reigning mankind. with Christ, and he once had a throne. Sure. So, Well, in a sense, he still has it. Well, yes, but you know what I mean. Right. So... Elder you, brought up, <laughs> yeah, you brought up several times, where did the water come from in Genesis 1-2? Mm-hmm. Um, as I read Genesis 1-2, I am looking at judgment. Yes. There's like, what I can see, there are four different... And the earth was without form. And void. It was empty. It was void of what? What was it void of? Um, well, it was I created believe, to be inhabited. Correct. And I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And the earth was without form and void. Well, God doesn't create anything without form and it's void. Um But notice, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So I believe Genesis 1-2 is telling me that the earth is covered with water. When's the only other time the earth was covered with water? Noah's flood. Which was judgment. So the earth is covered with water. And um, there's darkness... 
God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So this is the absence of God's presence. God's presence is not upon the earth, which is judgment. The face of the earth is covered with water, which is judgment. The earth itself was without form and void. You know, that word form is used how many times in the scriptures where God says, I formed, it actually uses that with man, I formed mm-hmm. him. So when I read Genesis 1-2, and again, for years it's because I didn't want to believe it, but um, I know that Genesis 1-2 is a, is, because you think the water brought death, darkness brings death, nothing can live without light. Light is essential. Um, and so Genesis 1-2 just speaks of judgment, that something was judged. But well, can, okay. Can, and then Genesis 3, he's once again bringing back. Could you also connect without form and void, okay, in our scriptural studies? This is what sure, we do. Sure. It's only one other place. It's only one other place. It's Jeremiah 4. Correct. And when it makes a reference to the earth without form and void in Jeremiah 4, I believe it's in there that says, and there was no man. Correct. But there are so, cities, there are mountains, but there are cities there are and cities, mountains, but, but there's no, no man. Um, Even in times to come, there's no time upon the earth where there's going to be cities with no men. With no men. Can I throw some further? This this would probably probably be half inference, half speculation. But okay, when John is given the revelation of Jesus Christ, he is in the Spirit, and being in the Spirit, where is he? He's in heaven. He's in heaven. Paul uh, is also, in receiving some of the revelation that he gets, where does that take place? Third Third heaven. heaven. Okay. So somebody wrote Genesis. And whoever wrote Genesis, the the penman, okay, we understand the Holy Spirit uh, is the author, but he used penman. But there was a penman who I'm going to infer saw these things take place. I believe that. And I would say that was yeah. Moses. I believe that. Okay, so G- I believe that was on the mount. I believe that was okay. on the mount 40, too. The yes. 40 days when yes. he was in the presence so of God. So he's in the spirit. Physically, the children of Israel saw him walk up to the mount. Yes. Okay, but he's in the spirit. So I don't think it's a leap, a huge leap to say that he was in, in the third, third heaven, heaven to witness these things, okay? Mm-hmm. So if Moses is in the third heaven witnessing these things. And he says, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Mm -hmm. What is the face of the waters from the perspective of heaven? It is the crystal sea. Where do we find the Spirit of God in Revelation? The seven spirits of God are around the throne of God. Okay. Okay, so in my mind, when the Bible says in Genesis that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters... Okay, that's Genesis where? That's Genesis 1-2. One, one, two. Two. Okay, there's no firmament yet. No, that's not till Genesis, that's not till the second day. So the face of the waters is heaven itself, where there is light. Where okay? the Spirit of God is. But everywhere else there's darkness, mm-hmm. because the earth is formless. It's like a speck of dirt in the ocean. Well, there's a difference also in Genesis 1-2 between the word deep and the word waters. Would you agree? Well, because darkness was upon the face, face of, the of the deep. deep. So, okay, but the spirit of God is on the face of the waters. Sure, 
You, you get what I'm saying? But I'm saying like the f- the deep is the universe filled with water. Okay. Now I don't. I can't. Obviously, we can't give like these dimensions. Well, how big was the universe? We're just how much water now, was there? But <laughs> well, I'll tell you this: there was enough water to leave some on the earth and put the rest of it at the edge. There was at least that much water. Okay. <laughs> But there was some on the earth and the rest of it the edge. A firmament and expanse was placed within that, within that universe to separate the waters on the earth from the waters at the edge. This is why I think when it says the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, he's not on the earth. The earth is still in the water. Hmm. He's in heaven. Moses is witnessing this in the third heaven, seeing Mm -hmm. the spirit of God move. And then he's watching all of creation unfold. And then he's penning it. You know, writing it of down. Of course, yeah. That's how I... I believe that. Right. Yeah. It's, as I read verse 2, I, I, as I just read that, I I think of the void of the presence of God. Right. And that when he moves on the face of the water, it's God's presence once again. I believe the earth has been judged in verse 2. It has been judged. And yes, there is a physical judgment, in that uh, the earth is covered with water, but there's also the judgment of God removing his presence. That's darkness. It's darkness. um, It's void. You remember the time... There's other times where God has removed his presence. There was... Remember the time where God commanded Moses to disassemble the tabernacle. He carried it outside of the congregation and reassembled it. And that was a sign of God's presence leaving, departing, departing yeah, them. Yeah. And so remember there's a time in the Gospels where the Bible specifically says that Christ hid himself, that they could not find him. Well, I believe God's presence has been removed from the earth, but starting in verse number two, he is once again bringing his presence and, and that's why there's light. That's why the first... When there's God's presence, there's light. God is light. And right. Him is, right. So that's why the first thing that is mentioned is light. It's because of the reintroduction to God's presence upon well, the earth. It's worth adding, you know, in eternity, there is no need of the sun. Right. Okay, because uh, the universe is no longer in darkness, right? Mm-hmm. Um Revelation 21 and 22 both talk about how there's there's no no night there. Speaking of um, eternity, future, I don't think at that point it's not talking about the kingdom, because I still think Christ's kingdom is gonna it's gonna be on this earth literally. So there will be day and night, there will be those things, but there comes a point at which the city of Jerusalem is describing as having no need of the sun neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. So, like even the darkness that we see at night and the stars that we see, I mean, the heavens declare the glory of God. Um, The stars are there for signs and for seasons, but there will come a time when there won't be the need of those lights because there won't be a need for signs and seasons in eternity. Does that make sense Mm -hmm. too? So like dark, we would anticipate that in eternity future, that there is no darkness at all, right? Other than everlasting darkness. Right. 
Um, I don't know. All of that just spurred from, for me, 1 John 3, 2, just how, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And behold, we are the sons of God. And though it doesn't yet appear what we shall be, we know that when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then here again, why live, you know, why live a holy life before the Lord? Well, because every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. And we may serve the Lord in in a place where, you know, that's small, that seems insignificant, but little is much when God is in it. God's going to judge us for our stewardship mm-hmm. of this life, this time, these opportunities. And then having judged us, he will reward us in his kingdom. And we ought to be excited about that. You know, we ought to be excited. I am excited about that. <laughs> I am. You know, I... I think what we're saying in this episode, and, and I believe it gets mislabeled because I can hear... I can hear listeners now. They're a bunch of gap gap theory people. They're, I believe that's the wrong title for that. It's. I think anyone needs to understand that the Bible gives further commentary on itself in other places. Mm-hmm. Meaning, okay, every gospel account tells us that Christ walked on water, but only one of them said Peter walked on water. The other three do not record that. So Matthew's account is commentary on the other, and then other accounts give commentary, which Matthew's doesn't. Agreed, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Genesis chapter 2 is commentary on Genesis chapter Chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 does not name Adam and Eve, does not... That comes from Genesis 2. So people can call me whatever they want, I just believe... Ezekiel 28, Psalm 82. There's other passages which are commentary for us on Genesis 1, 1 and verse 2. That there's other commentary from the Bible because God does not record all the events in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. He doesn't record all the events that happened there. We have to go to other places in the scriptures. So whatever you call it, I, I just feel like I gap think, theory is the wrong. Well, I think, I'm not saying there's a gap. We're just saying that there's more that goes on here, according to the Bible, than God chooses to record yeah. here. Right, and we're careful. You know, when you say commentary, I wholeheartedly agree. And it's God's commentary. Right. It's God. You know, nobody argues that Revelation is progressive, that God reveals things over time. And so it's not this giant stretch of the imagination that God reveals more about the past. Right. The more you read. Right. In in the present. In, that's right. I mean, when you mention the gap, people, how can you have that long period of time between 1-1 one, one and 1-2? One, you know, well, clearly that is a gap. Well, we believe the church age is a comma in Isaiah chapter 61. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? And we're right. okay with that. Right. But we can't, well, how, why does God's word jump so far in time between two verses? It does it all the time. Well, okay. Because he's only revealing to us at that moment what he wants us to know, but we can compare scripture. That's how we know the church age is a comma in Isaiah 61. We can just look at it from the 
whole scriptural standpoint. Yeah. So. Notice day and night doesn't come until what? Verse verse uh, three right. or th- verse five. So there is no day and night in verses one and two. There's no day and night there. And also, no, so. none of us are saying you, you know the term gap is one that's assigned. I don't know who coined it. I don't know, um, but who are we to say, and who is anybody to say what the expanse of time is between Genesis one one and Genesis one two? Of course we can't. Yeah, it's not right. revealed. Yeah. Day and night isn't even mentioned yet, and. I mean, any student of the Word of God, okay, the judgment of the angels, where did that take place? Sure. Where do you put it chronologically right, here? Right, right. Mm. Uh, if man was created to replace Lucifer and the sons of God, and I, I believe we need to have future podcasts on this. Sure. I, I don't think, I don't think we covered... We didn't cover right. the sons of God, this really. This is more of a generalization, is, I yeah. guess, of... An uh, appetite wetter, yes. right? Just well, you're the one that vomited. Dig so. Into, yeah. right. <laughs> so... <laughs> All we're all we're saying is is that the judgment that's spoken of in Second Peter th- uh, two, the judgment of the angels that sinned, has to be in Genesis one one and one two. It has to be there. Where else would it be? Hmm. I, I mean, so call it whatever you want. That's right. It's just God does not record here everything which takes place. He's going to that's right in the future in His Word reveal the events. And again, of this time. like we said, you can see that in all kinds of places in Scripture, oh, not just this everywhere, topic, but right. all places. Yeah. Yes, um, because we know that by the time uh, man is created, the angels have already been judged. They've already been judged, and it's a physical judgment upon the earth. And future passages reveal it. So. So I look at this as we just, you know, Brother Chad did a good job of big picture. You know, right. here's the big picture if we walk it through the scriptures, and then you just have to go back. And... Which I like what he said, too. It made it more, um can't think of the right word here, but more emphatic in the sense that we're not just saved because call him daddy. You well, know, here, when it comes to sons here's of God, the problem. It's okay. so much deeper than that. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. The problem is a prosperity gospel mindset, which paints the fact that we're sons of God means we're going to have our best life now. Ooh, that's good. That's yeah. the practical problem. That's right. And the practical problem is that people, they're like, I'm a child of God. Are you excited to be a child of God? Well, if all you know is that you're a child of God now, that certainly you know you're spared from hell and you're saved to eternity. But if right now, if your body is is cancer ridden and your children don't you know don't love the Lord and you've up to your eyeballs in debt, okay, like this life has disappointed you greatly. But if you know that to to be a son of God has has further meaning, as eternal. And greater fulfillment in yeah. that which is future. Well, now you understand why it matters that you're faithful where you are now, because God's going to reward our faithfulness now. In quiet, unseen places, He'll exalt the humble. Then, and that is that. That's ought to be our our motivator. It doesn't matter whether I'm serving in a big church, little church, as a pastor, as you know, as a deacon, as a teaching a Sunday school class, nursery worker. It doesn't matter. Be faithful where you are because God sees that, and you don't know the reward 
mm. and that God has for those that served faithfully in small places just for just for love of Him, and um, He's all praise and glory to Him for behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. So Amen. that's it, man. That's where I'm that's at. Good. Just thankful for the little stuff. That's going to be big, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that that has brought up a lot of questions this episode, but we're going to have to call it good right there. Um, but we'll probably pick up on some of these things. Again, look at today as a generalization, as a picture of the whole of the sons of God, and we may go back and dissect that a little bit more. Coming up next Friday here at Backwoods Theology. Until then, God bless. <laughs>